Well, this is the day that the Lord has made, July. It's July 18th, 2023. I thought it was the 19th. I'm putting us a day ahead. Time's already going fast enough. Let's slow down a little bit and enjoy the smell of the roses. I have a problem, Josh. Do you do you enjoy the smell of roses? I can't say that I do because, I mean... I don't either. They like, don't have a deep smell to me. Like, I, I do think they're pretty, yeah. but I don't know who would have thought of, like, the saying of... Stop and smell the roses. They don't smell good. I know. Some of these things that we say on a daily basis or do on a daily basis, you often think, man, why couldn't I have thought of that, right? Yeah. And then who's the guy that thought tying a tie would be a really good idea? Like, who 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 comes up with this kind of stuff? Like, are you just sitting on your couch one day and I'm going to think, I'm going to take this piece of, like, material and tie it so I can wear it around my neck? I guess so. And. Am I, I mean, the only one ever thinks like this? Pro- I mean, well, you think pretty deep, brother. Your mind's always rolling. I will say that. <laughs> Hannah, have you ever thought about that? Like, have you? Do you think like this ever? Uh, yeah, I, I do think about some of these things. Not that one in particular, but <laughs> not the tie. She probably she may not have to tie ties much. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Ethan, Ethan wear ties. Yeah, he ties his own ties. He I ties told him that was one ties. thing starting up this marriage. I was like, look, <laughs> I I can't be tying your tie all the time. <laughs> I'm just proud he don't wear the zipper. Oh, man. I, do, you ever, do you have any of the zip ties? I do not. I, I gotta tie mine. I don't like all that stuff. Is that right? I can't do a clip on, and I can't do the zip tie things. Well, I know back when I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to have my aunt Vicky tie all my ties. If there was a tie, I had to where I remember going to a prom or morp that we well we called it morp back in the day. Prom spelled backwards, but anyway, <laughs> yep. I remember going to those things or ball banquets or something. I'd always have to run up to Aunt Vicky's, and she would uh, tie my ties. But Aww. I yep. have uh, graduated a little bit, and I'm. Tying your own tie. I tie my own tie now. Man, I I love to see maturity in the body of Christ. I love it. I guess as a preacher, you better learn to tie it because sometimes places you go, they just, I don't know if it's an expectation or what. but I can honestly, I I know um, I won't spend too much more time on ties, but, um, (laughs) you know, I can honestly, I've got to the point, I can tie a tie without looking in the mirror. Like, I could just tie a tie walking down the street. Well. I can tie it like that, but oftentimes it ends up being way up here, my, <laughs> way up here in my neck, like a clown tie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. the good stuff. I don't know. I just think about these random things, like um, who decided to tie tie, who decided it'd be a good good idea to milk a cow, who decided it would be a good idea to take a little ball and shoot through a basket. Like I don't know. Like it's just I want to think a good idea like that. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's gonna happen. Well, you're too, we're too busy sometimes just having to do everything else to think up all these things, so that's all right. Well, one of these days, I'm going to take a sabbatical just to come up with a good idea. That's what my So they're going to be like, what's your sabbatical over? I'm going to have an idea that changes the world. <laughs> it's going to be equivalent to tie-to-tie and milking a cow. It's going to pr- be prolific. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This is how my this is how my brain works going to bed sometimes. And early this morning already, your brain's working pretty good, so that's all uh, right. I, well, I did shower and wake up and get all antsy and ready to go. Uh, I figured it's is either um, be tired and mope around, or just go ahead and bite the bullet and has, let's have some energy today. You know why? Because this is a day the Lord has made, and this is a day that we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Because this is a day that my God will take the impossible and make it possible. Whatever situation, whatever you're going through, he is more than enough to deliver you, sanctify you, set you free, and fill you with his Holy Ghost. Because he is El Shaddai, he is Yahweh, he is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom. He is my all in all. In him we move, have our being, and our breath. 
All things are made for him, by him, and through him. And everything we do today will be to the glory of God. Whether it be word or deed, we do it all to the glory of God. And we're excited to have your ear for two hours this morning. We're excited, as always, to have Pastor Josh in the studio, and then Miss Hannah's in the studio, and then Miss Mariah's in the production room. And I don't know who our guest is today. You got a guest for us, Josh? I do not, brother. Well, then we're going to interview Josh. Um, (laughs) That's what we're doing. We're going to interview Josh today. I keep thinking from time to time, I know we ain't here from Brother Jeff. Uh, We can't get in contact. Well, we we will. We will. We will. Hallelujah. That's all right. So. All righty. Well, we have a couple of announcements going on this morning. Um, don't forget, July 27th, right around the corner, is Man Up here at the lake. We've been, um, Uncle Justin and Brother Tim, they've been working <laughs> on some bush hogging back there and getting everything mowed up and cleaned up. And so yep. it's looking really good back there by the lake. And we're going to um, keep working on getting that spot prepped. We may or may not be building a fire pit back there with some creek rock we've had. So um, we're excited. We're going to come out there and um, we're going to have some cookout and fellowship and cornhole and you can bring your sons out to fish. And so we got to get this word out about it this That's awesome. to everybody. We're really excited about that night. And we'll still have worship though. We're still going to have worship yeah. around the campfire and we will have um, a campfire testimony from Todd Mingus is going to do that and you know if weather doesn't permit and it cancels it cancels out the lake we're still doing it so we'll still have it right. here up here at the church but our prayer and our hopefulness is that we'll do it at the lake um, Clarkson Communities VBS starts tomorrow night for all those kiddos that want to attend there it's going to be a credible one and so make plans to be there and then we have our VBS coming up August 3rd 4th and 5th now I've got some exciting news on that um, we, we, we're going to make sure it is reserved. So I maybe should have held this news before, but as long as it's open, we have an anonymous donor, um, that does not want to be known, but as long as the, the hundred foot obstacle course water slide is open and it's wow. not being reserved that day, we have an anonymous donor that's going to donate that Saturday. That's awesome. Um, and yeah. it is huge. That's like a awesome. hundred foot long <laughs> obstacle course that can be used with water or no water. We're definitely using it with water. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're prayerful that it's open so we can have it that That's Saturday. Right. That's if right. not, we'll figure out another inflatable. But yeah. uh, that one, it is big. If yeah. you've never seen the picture, it. I'm actually not for sure it'll fit in our backyard wow. at the church. So that, and we got a pretty good sized backyard. Yeah. And so we, we think it will. We yeah. think it will. Right. But it's going to be, oh. All right, I got it confirmed. It's here. It's, it's reserved. Oh, man, so we're awesome. going to have the 100-foot awesome. obstacle wow. course. It is massive. I'll now, show you all a picture. I just want to know, is the kids going to have more fun with that? Or well, you guys the kids, the kids don't that? get on that one. They got to get on the They got to get on the bouncy house. Um, that it, hundred, The 100-foot one's only for us. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Have you all ever seen the picture of the 100-foot inflatable? I don't know if I've seen that one or not. I've seen a few that's around and stuff. So the people that we use sometimes for our uh, gathering in September – uh, they just got a water, a obstacle course here a few months ago. So mm-hmm. we're hoping to get that reserved for our event. Well, it is this hundred foot one is absolutely massive. My, like, my, my, awesome. I can only imagine, brother. It is, it is huge. I'm well, that's gonna... a huge answer to prayer because you know we were trying to figure out 
all the details of everything and we were really praying that someone yeah. would that god would make a way for that so That's now awesome. uh hannah do you have a uh, specific uh, class that you may be teaching or you may be doing yourself during the vacation bible school or so i'm going to be focusing uh todd mingus and i are going to be focusing on the worship yep. group and okay. dance yep. um so we're going to be leading that together that's, that's awesome. going to be like our station that yeah. we do um but I'm glad that you mentioned the classes yep. because we're going to have four different age groups in the yep. BBS. Um, and so they will, that each group will kind of modify to fit each age group. So we will have three to five, six to nine, 10 to 12 and 13 to 18. Okay. I want to emphasize the 13 to 18 because I'm not sure that all the teens um, here at Bethel realized that like um, yep. we're aware, but we want to get um, the word out and make sure to keep announcing it so that the any anyone listening your 13 to 18 year olds are invited and we have a group for them so we yeah. we really want to see them come out and um just see you know god moving them and them get excited and you know of course what they do you know isn't going to look exactly like the younger kids but there's always a way to accommodate them right. and and we need our teens here just as we much do. as we need the yeah, kids that's awesome um that's good. so um, we we've uh, set all those age groups together, and if you have a 13 to 18 year old, then make sure to bring them out. Um, and we're super excited to be able to have ages three to 18. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so, amazing because I know that uh, actually talking about VBS, Hudson Community Church, they got their VBS going on this week. That's right. That's and right. They started last night, and I think they had a 131 kids yes, last night. Yes, hallelujah. Wow, so, that's I mean, awesome. That was uh, pretty great. I know last week I went up there and done a couple things for them to prepare for this week uh they can make the church look amazing the fellowship hall looks awesome they've done some uh remodeling there yeah. new floors and put a new uh ramp and handrail up that's kind of what i was working on and um so it looks great up there it looks great and also uh cool's uh cumberland presbyterian church was on 4012 just a mile down the road from us in between us and hudson they're starting a revival this wednesday and brother kelly tucker that was on here a few months ago He'll be uh, preaching that revival. So this coming Wednesday, they'll be starting there. Brother Mark Stevenson, he's the pastor there. And uh, they've been gathering with us also on our uh, pastor's prayer meeting. Oh, yeah. On Tuesday, awesome. and the Tuesday's uh, second Tuesday of the yeah. month. And then uh, that's all right. Uh, we know somebody that's in this room that didn't make it last time because they was busy. But that's all <laughs> right. Y'all put it right. on the elders' <laughs> meeting night. <laughs> I know it. That's about like man up being on Thursdays. I had to pick Thursdays. Church man up, church man up. What do I do? What well, I, I told do? Billy so. last night, I said, I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can convince the elders team to start at 630 instead of 6 for the next couple of m times That's just right. so that we yeah. can I can well, get there. Well, then I know that uh, Brother Billy's emphasized also during that, that uh, getting closer to the time when we're all really going to be gathering together for that several days that we plan to come down here and pray, you know, just spontaneous sometimes. Yeah. You know, we need to go pray. We need to go pray. We need you know, so that is one but, thing uh, I um, I enjoyed hearing from Lance yesterday. He talked about how he has a team of intercessors that will go and pray yep. over the area yep. and the region. So yep. it's really important. So. Now, now you didn't ask me what I'm doing during BBS. What are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> um, uh, is that awesome? Really? Yeah, I got nothing. That's to do. awesome. You know, the only thing I'm thankful for, it, brother. I, I have. I one want thing. you to stick to that. I have one thing I got to do. Huh? I got. I'm gonna buy a water gun. Okay. And I'm just gonna squirt people. <laughs> okay. And I, I guarantee you you're going to do one more other thing. What's that? You're going to eat, probably. Oh, yes. uh, I will uh, eat. Yeah. Uh -huh. Now, I do think that I'm, I'm going to help 
Ethan with a game son. He's okay, gonna, he, all right. He's gonna sacrifice and play games with <laughs> yeah. with the kids, but he's not leading it though. Okay. No, well that's his awesome, title man. on the list was Water Boy. Yeah, because <laughs> I have my water gun. Man, oh man, that's awesome. I just yeah. go squirt random people. That's good all bro. throughout the week. Well, I'm thankful that everybody I'll... stepped in, brother Aaron, and uh, gonna do that. And I mean, I just want you to be able to hopefully enjoy this just as much as anybody else. <laughs> well, I'm just hoping that. Uh, I have I have a few people I'm really ready to squirt this water gun at. Um, I want one of those electric ones. Yeah. Have you seen those? They're electric so. water guns. You don't have hey, to pump them. You don't listen, have to do anything. I always got into water gun fights, I'll be honest with you. Did you win? I mean, I don't know if I won or not, but see. Well, I didn't I know if your short a, arms, if you could extend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, though. Hey, I love it. But for real, like a water gun, I mean, it just barely squirts out, and you, like, don't hardly even get wet. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, but you need that super Give me soaker. the water hose. I'll get you water hose or whatever. <laughs> That's even a better idea. I don't know if they'll let me use the water hose inside. I hear you. No, probably not. Probably not. All right. I do want to announce a few more things about VBS, sure. if I can real quick. So, um, we will, between the girls and the boys, there will be a competition. And so, in this competition, um, bring your change. Like, if you know, if anybody's listening who's bringing their kids, or sp- just spread the word um, to people that you're inviting. But they're going to have a competition um, raising the most money for the youth here. Um, and whoever brings the most um, money between the girls or the guys depends on if Joey's getting a pie in the face or Megan's getting a pie in the face. So is that right? Yeah. Wow. So um, make sure to get the word out there about just bringing your change, your whatever you can bring for the fundraiser, yeah. and whoever, whichever girls or boys win, um, Joey or Megan gets pot in the face. So it's <laughs> awesome. So there's that, and then um, also we will have a bus going out to pick up kids. Um, that don't have a rod here. So we'll get more information about the location and time for pickup. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Speaking of Joey and Megan, I believe I've seen where it's their anniversary today. Yeah. So if they're listening this morning, we'll say happy anniversary to them. Happy Happy anniversary. Is there a song for happy anniversary? I feel like you could This do is what I'm anything. creating. I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a sabbatical <laughs> to make a happy anniversary song. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. You're just in the mood to create something, ain't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got the creative spirit around yeah, me. That's all right. That's all right. No. All right. All right. Hannah, did you ever, are you done with your VBS? Uh-huh. All right. So did you ever figure out what verse we're at, John? Um, I believe it's 1321. Cause 1321. I don't, I don't think we really got into... Um, him talking directly to All righty. Well, we'll start in 21 then. Amen. All right. Uh, <clears throat> John chapter 13, verse 21. I'm going to read from the ESV this morning. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spake or spoke of. And so I, I, I love how, again, for me, the book of John is one of my favorite because I think it gives us more insight to who Jesus was personally. Like he was, it yeah. tells us the insight he was God. Like, but also it to me, Jesus it was stressed his divinity in John, but also we saw so much of his humanity. Yeah, and I feel like we got more of his his humanity in John than per se we did in Mark, John, Matthew, and Luke. Because if you even backtrack to just a chapter or two ago in chapter 11, you know, Jesus wept. Just yeah. showing us the humanity of Jesus weeping. Um, and then here, you know, it's, it starts out this little, this this portion of the text to say he was troubled. 
Right. Like he was trouble. He knew it. He sensed it. He knew what was happening. He knew one of them was going to betray him. And it, you can see the weight of it. It's not like, I think sometimes that even if we don't realize we're doing it, we knew that Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. Right. And so I think subconsciously we think, well, you know, Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. He already kind of saw this. So it probably didn't bother him that much. He had already been prepared. And I think sometimes we subconsciously, even if we won't vocalize it like that, I don't think we feel the weight of his troubledness because we think, well, he already knew it. And if we already know something going in, it makes it easier. But I don't think that's always the case because I don't either. um, And I think what what we see here is just how troubled Jesus was because it didn't say he was worried or he had anxiety or something. It said he was troubled in spirit like he was troubled down in who he was like this weighed on him. Yep. And he's feeling the sting of betrayal. And as Hebrews says, he can empathize with everything that we go through. He, sympath- he sympathizes with us. He he can feel it. So yeah. when we face betrayal, he's already faced betrayal. Mm-hmm. He, yep. knows how to, he knows how to comfort his sheep. He knows how to lead us. He knows how to guide us. Why? Because he allowed himself for to be God in the flesh and feel as humans feel. Yeah. You know, you was talking about how uh, John portrayed him in a different way than the other Gospels, but I remember as a child learning through Brother Ron, my pastor, about how Matthew seen him as a king, Mark seen him as a servant, Luke seen him as a man, but then John seen him as God Almighty. Mm -hmm. So one of the uh, things that I was thinking about here as he was troubled in his spirit, I mean, I know he's troubled, like, you know, how he was going to have to die for his sins and this and that. But I know, Hannah, you'll probably segue into this maybe a little bit, but I was going to give you something to think about here. But do you think at any at all he was troubled for the one that was going to betray him? Like, see, he loves us all. He died Mm -hmm. for us all. But then again, it probably grieves his spirit or grieves him to know that there's people out there in this world that are not serving him, that are not accepting the love that he has for them. So yeah. he was troubled about his you know, about how what he was going to go through, but also on the point of that, as we read these scriptures, I often think about this when I hear this. See the word troubled. You know, I've done some research on troubled and nothing. You know, troubled pull and troubled this or troubled that. But for whatever reason, I do also believe here that he was, um, you know, grieved because of what was going to happen to. Of course, we know Judas. You know, so anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think that he loved him. You know, I think we Amen. think that it's hard for us to wrap our mind around how much Jesus loved because we often we can strive for that, but it doesn't come natural to us. Yeah, and I think that you know we think that since Jesus knew about that, that he maybe treated him differently, or I mean, we don't see him doing that, but we might. We might yeah, want right. uh, might want to treat him different. Like that's our mindset. Yeah. So it it's hard to imagine that he could still love him completely, just as as much as he loved the other ones. That and so I think just thinking about how he did love him and he did want the best for him, even yeah. though he knew like he was so troubled. And, and then it does. I feel like we can all like put ourselves in. I think Judas is really good for putting like our 
family members in his that's it in his place our yeah. friends ourself when we've been in times of you know betrayal or rebellion or whatever it may be yeah um and i just think it shows like how much jesus wants the best for us right and because why would he be troubled if he didn't want better for him that's even it. despite feeling the sting of betrayal like i'm sure he didn't feel good but i think even more than being stung by betrayal he wanted better for him and he knew that he had free will and it right. was so hard for to watch him do that when he knew that he he had a better life planned for him. Right, right. And it's just so amazing how we know that even though he knows that he was going to betray me, he had love for him. Yeah. Just like I, of course, I only have one kid, you know, but knowing that Jesus died for all of us here in this world. And he actually, we often say it when we're speaking and preaching a lot of times, you know, he loves us all the same. Even the sinners out there that hasn't really accepted him, that hasn't really given their heart to him, he still loves them and died for them just as much as he loves us. You know, and I often think about, you know, with uh, people that have multiple children, you know, how can, uh, and I've talked to a few, how can you love this one just like you do that one or that one? Like They say sometimes we can't explain it, we just do. You know, and sometimes the Lord, he loves us all the same. And I mean, we not may, he don't he not really be able to explain it, but he just does. It just happens, you know. You have uh, families that some children, you know, they're walking the straight and narrow. They're doing the things of the Lord. They're they're in the gospel. They're in the church. They're they're being productive for the kingdom. Then you have some children, you know, uh, maybe their child is not. They're out in this world. They're not really being productive for the for the kingdom of God. But that don't mean their love shrinks. That means their love, they still love them and want them to do the right things. So, you know, and I mean, that's just something that we know we have a, we have a wonderful God who loves us all and wants to see us, see us all succeed in the kingdom of God. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the disciple, we'll go to verse 22 here. The disciple looked at one another uncertain of whom he spake. So they started to look, and I think it shows um, something of still where they they were developing. They were still trying to figure this thing out, even after three and a half years of being with him, because when he said, one of you are going to betray me, they had to look at each other, trying to think, is it me? Is it you? Yeah. Which one is it? Come like, on. I don't know. Do I still have the propensity to betray him? Like, it could be me. And... Um, you know, I think that shows a lot, again, of the fact that we are constantly being sanctified. We're walking in sanctification. We're growing. We have to allow ourselves some grace to grow. Um, and I'm not saying permission to sin and get away. What I'm talking about is grace to grow. Because we have to understand sometimes we... I, I think sometimes that we think we're so good that it becomes a prideful thing. I would never fall. And that's where the Come pride on. comes before the fall. Come on now. Mm-hmm. And they looked at each other and go, okay, one of us is going to betray him. Is it you? It could could be me. And then, like, you know, we do, we're going to see where, you know, Peter kind of stands up and, you know, I would never do that. Or, you know, and yeah. and what happens. And yeah, so, that's right. Um, so they're looking around each other. And then one of the disciples whom Jesus loved, which would be John, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter answered to him, and I mean, so Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So I love that, like Peter, like, John, John, ask him, he likes you. He likes you a lot, John. Um, John, he loves you. Like, Come on, find come on. out. 
can you find out for us, John? <laughs> like he knows, well, and I yeah. need you to ask him, John. Um, like again, this these guys weren't much different than us. That's right. You think that he was worried that he was saying, "I just now got this." You think he was worried, thinking, "Man, is he talking about me? I got to find out." You know, you know, was he worried about me? Because even as Brother Aaron used saying those scriptures or whatever, I was thinking about how sometimes as a minister that kind of you're preaching and you're teaching and you know there's struggling's going on within the body. Mm-hmm. You know people are going through different things. And actually, hopefully there's people at our Sunday services that actually need a revelation or they need to accept Jesus in their life and they need to turn it all over to him. Yeah. And sometimes we say things. We say things, maybe throughout the congregation, but actually maybe have somebody in our mind that I hope they get it. Sure. I hope that I know the Lord's working in them. They're here for a reason. Now I feel as if that the Lord's given me this to say, even though it's to everybody. But actually, I hope that this one that's in my mind right now that I've been praying for actually gets it. Actually yeah. gets it. I mean, because I'll be honest with you, I say this oftentimes. I remember when my daughter had... Um, when she would have her friends over when she was growing up, you know, four or five of them. I mean, they would just, they was loud, just <laughs> whatever. But what I'm saying is they would do something that I didn't approve of, like maybe mess up the, mess up something in a way that Maddie knew it wasn't right. And I remember one time Maddie was real young, like I'm talking about four years old, the end of kindergarten or something like that. And she'd come in there in the living room one time and was grabbing her hair. And it's like, man, I know they shouldn't be doing this. You know, messing her room up and just had things out of order. And Rachel's like, it's all right, it's all right. But there's been other times, Aaron, where maybe that, all right. So I go in there and I'm actually fussing at my daughter. But you're fussing with them? Even oh, though I've done she, that. she really wasn't in the wrong because she knew it was wrong. But I was kind of directing it to my daughter where hopefully all of them would understand, hey, we don't need to be doing this. Yep. So. Well, I've done that many a times. Okay. And I think sometimes my kids know I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. like, right. Well, that's good because we have told Maddie when she's growing up, hey, listen, you know, we got to do that because they're, at our, they're in your room. You yeah. actually are the one that are supposed to be over your room. So we want yeah. you to understand that. I do that. Um, well, I'll, I'll say what I do after air sometimes but because <laughs> uh, I don't want anybody to feel singled out. But um, I do that a lot. I, I fuss at other kids through my kids, um, and I think they understand. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but then again, you think about, all right, is that right? I don't know. Or is that wrong? It works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, if it ain't broke, no. <laughs> so here we are. Handy's gonna have Handy and Ethan's gonna have kids here in the next few years, and probably like, all right. Josh said this, but Aaron said that. Now what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> uh, but you know, you was talking about going back to the preaching. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of times I'll be preaching. I'm like, I'm not even thinking. Hope they get it. I look at. I'm like talking to myself while I'm preaching. Hope you get this, Aaron. Like, yeah. hope you're hearing this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. That's exactly right. Because I tell them oftentimes, I say, listen, I believe that the Lord gives me a word, Anna. It's for me first. Yeah. It's for me. So yeah. unless I get the word, how can I preach the word? Yeah. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So. But I, I would say this. And I say this with cautionness because I don't want, I think it can be taken out of context. But I, So I say it with caution, but I, I really do think it's probably a pretty good observation. If Jesus walked in our churches Come on. and said, one of you are going to trade me, the first person that steps up and says, I would never do that, probably is the first person that will betray him. You got it. 
Um, you got it. And because it's just that pridefulness, like it's just like I would never do that. And yeah. then we find so often that person is the one, and then the person who's kind of meek in the background that's humble and yeah. say, um, like for me, I would be looking for the person in the room say, "Oh my gosh, Lord, don't let it be me. Lord, help me not to let it be." Or me. Or the one that falls on her knees and starts praying. Yeah, when it says it, and because I, I think we have to understand that we're all in a journey. Like yeah. we're all on this journey, and, right? Um, like we said this for so long, you don't have to sin. Okay. You don't have to, right. we're not bound by it. Come on. We Romans six says that we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. Do not put your members, these hands to be members or slaves to unrighteousness, but to slaves to righteousness. We have been set free. Now, sanctification is a one-time process, but then it's a journey too. I believe that. I believe we're we were sanctified and mm-hmm. we're being sanctified. Okay. And I believe we're walking this out because there's still things that are being chipped off. But yes. at regeneration, my spirit man can't get any more sanctified than he is. Right. He is made holy. He has given me a new spirit. What is that new spirit? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot be tainted. Right. And so he's given me this new Holy Spirit inside of me. He's living in me now. My spirit man has been justified. Right. All right. So I am made whole. Now what we've got to do is fix these hands and fix the brain. That's repentance. Change the way we think. And if we change the way we think, we change what our hand does. It's the cycle. And it's what it's these. It's this journey walking it out. And we have to realize that, like, um, I need his help. I need his grace. I yeah. need his I need his his empowerment. I need his Holy Spirit to help me not to sin. I need his Holy Spirit to come and transform my thinking. I need his Holy Spirit to come and change my desires. I need him. Amen. And what I think religion does is try to get us convinced that we don't need him or we're not supposed to have him. We're supposed to do it ourselves. Right. And the moment we start doing it ourselves is the moment that we will fall back and not move forward. Amen. Yeah. And we have to be careful not to be so prideful in our holiness that we actually create a fall because we think we're a lot better than we really are. Come on. That's right. And I just, I don't know. I, I would look if Jesus walked in the room, um, one of you are going to betray me. I would hope my response is, Lord, empower me never to betray you. That's right. Not, I'm going to do this. You know? Yeah. Because well, I mean, a lot of people, they think about Trey think about what Judas did, okay? Turned yeah. him over. But really, in our hearts, a lot of times, even now as Christians, people in our churches, and and we've probably done this too, we didn't betray him like turn him over to the enemy, but we betrayed him by going against what he's told us to do. 100%. I mean, the, it works in different ways other than sometimes we don't call it really sin until now, until somebody gets caught or if it's a great big thing or something like that, we want to say, well, it ain't that bad, so it's okay. Well, I mean, we preach and teach it also in sin is sin. Whatever separates you from the love of God, that becomes sin in our lives. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we could even take it a step further and say betraying another brother or sister That's would it. be betraying him. Come on now. Or choosing money and idolizing money over worshiping him that That's would be right. betrayal Come too on. i mean uh, committing adultery with other things that we put before him That's i it. mean he takes it a, a whole another step further so i That's think right. i think none of us really have an excuse <laughs> that's the Come hard on. thing that's I, good, I think Hannah. that really is the truth is that there's really no excuses i think we try to come up with so many excuses sometimes yep. or that's so many uh well i do this but at least i don't do that yeah you know that's right mm-hmm. that's right wow. yeah amen i would say this if your spiritual walk is more about him than it is i mean more about you than it is him there's a problem yeah and if you sit around and say, I did this, I did that, I did that, 
there's still way too much I in it. And yeah. um, we we never, I never want to. I'm going to say it like this. I don't want to do something to bring glory to myself. Come on. I want to do everything to bring glory to him. So whether that's pastoring, leading, preaching, doing the radio, laying floor back of the ranch, like it's not for my glory, it's for his. It's for his. And I think that's why Colossians remind us, whatever we do, whether it be word or deed, do to the glory of God. Amen. We do not bring Amen. glory to ourselves. We right. bring glory to him. That's it. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we got through two verses. Excellent. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to let's do our first trivia question for this morning, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Uh, two, so question number one. Who was the priest of Bethel during the time of Amos or Amos? Amos. Who about to say Amos? <laughs> Amos. Who was the priest of Bethel during the time of Amos? Two seven zero two two seven zero two five seven two six eight nine. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network. Again, let's get that out there. Um, let me get back to it. My phone locked out. Who was the priest of Bethel during the time of Amos? And it was not Aaron or Brother Ron. All right. That's <laughs> all. Uh, I, I mean, that I says a lot about, I mean, I know we often say that, Brother Aaron, but that says a lot about this ministry, I think. I mean, that often don't get um, don't get spoken of enough, I think. Even though I'm somebody that grew up here, and actually, uh, even though this is not my my home church, but I still feel like it's home to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, but that says a lot in the last uh, forty three years that Bethel's been here, and there's only been two pastors. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it says a lot about commitment about this house and about you know some yeah, about like I often say that Madrid, you know, brother Billy, he's. Uh, the, what uh, we have on records at the church there when the church was started back uh, 60, right at 60 years ago, uh, maybe 70. But anyway, he's the longest tenured pastor ever at Madrid. Mm-hmm. And he's been there for going on 23 years. Yep. So anyway, says a lot about commitment. That's well, where our heart's at. Brother Ron, I think, was about, well, let's see, it was founded in 81. 80. Uh, 80. 80. Year before I was married. Yeah, year before. Well, I was articles. Born. I think the articles and corporation and stuff was filed in eighty one. Okay. So it was. I think the church was started in eighty. Okay. So um, let's see. Here, it's been thirty nine years. Yeah. He was here. Thirty nine. Yeah. So I'm going for forty. Um, there you go. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then we'll That's have it, to. We'll see, we'll see who. Um, we'll see who. Takes well, the I mean, when you think about it in that mind, I know we've kind of got. Oh, you're fine. But that's fine. But when you kind of think we don't have about a guest. That, we got all morning. <laughs> that's right. When you think about those things, though, that means if you're, we're saying, all right, brother, I was here 39 years or whatever, and even though Aaron's a little bit older when he st- when he started pastoring, if he's here another 39 years, that means somebody that's may not be even born yet, or just like a one year old right now could be the next one to be ro- raised up to be in the position that, that he is now. Yeah. So then we was talking about kids a while ago, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of, well, put that in perspective and just realize that, hey, once upon a time, I was that little one that says, well, maybe he's going to be the one to raise up and be preaching or be teaching or whatever. But still, yeah, we don't really take that into account, but really that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing is that, for me, 
I really don't. Um, I don't plan to go anywhere. Like I'm right. for me, I personally can't wait to see what God does here forty years from now. Like Amen. what this looks like for forty years from now. Yeah, and um, and that's kind of what we're we. I talk about this some, but I don't. I don't stress it every time I have a meeting or anything, but. I'm not looking just for the building right now. Like, so I'm not trying to build a two week move. Yeah. I want to see God do something that's a 40 year plus another 40 plus another 40 if he tarries and don't come back. Yeah. Like, I want something long term. And if we build it, it's temporary. Right. If he builds it, it's eternal. And yeah. so what I want is something that's eternal. And I'm not saying that. Uh, Bethel's fellowship is going to be here through the millennial. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking right. like what he's doing in the hearts of men and women, because we've got to stop making this about a geographical location. It's about the kingdom. Yeah. And when we start to understand, we're building something far bigger than a building, and building something far bigger than Bethel or Madrid or Cool Presbyterian in this community. Like it's, we're building the kingdom. Yeah. And our mission and our goal and our pursuit is to build the kingdom. That's and it. so. If um, if Madrid's has got something going on down the road, if it's it's not just Madrid don't have to go to long. Like that's it. My my prayer is that um, like I if revival broke out at Madrid and and I believe it's going to. I'm just Amen. saying Amen. when Amen. revival no, breaks out of Madrid, let's say yeah, when yeah, revival breaks out of Madrid, <laughs> and you all have so many people coming. Yeah. All right. Well, God's bless was the bigger. You know what? My hope is. You can have the church. We'll just come and come and worship. Y'all yeah. do your thing. Like, yeah. why? Because it's not about a church. Right. It's not about the title over a church. Yeah. And I believe, and this is just my heartbeat, and this right. is coming from a pastor. I'm tired of pastors trying to build their churches. Yeah. yeah. I don't want you to build your church. I think the Lord wants you to build his church. That's yeah. it. And he That's wants it. you yeah. to build his kingdom. Yeah. And if we'll stop trying to build our own little kingdoms and build his kingdom, then we will see revival. Yeah. And I mean, just so many times, you know, and I, I know that's been instituted in my life for years now about unity and about how we come together. And I mean, it's just so awesome to fellowship with people of like minds, mm -hmm. of people that want the best for each and everybody. That's why, you know, when uh, when we come together, I mean, pff, oftentimes I don't I just want to be in his presence to learn from other ones. You know, because I know if, that when we have a special uh, service at Madrid, there's many more people there. So I want to hear from them, too. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the guest that comes, you know, because I'm at Madrid. Hey, I can, Brother Billy always says, hey, anytime you just want to preach, go ahead and preach. Anytime, you know, uh, I missed uh, here a few Sunday nights ago with the Hudsfield down in Ebsa County on Sunday night. He tells me on Tuesday, he said, hey, you're preaching Thursday. He said, well, I'm listening to you on Thursday. He said, no, you didn't preach Sunday night, so you're preaching Thursday. No, you got to get it in. <laughs> you know, so it's just something about, listen, it's not about a competition. It's about a relationship yep. with the Lord, and I'm thankful yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cox got that first answer right, Amen. so his name gets in for that drawing. And it's Amaz, or Amaziah, I don't know, Amaziah, I don't know, A-M-A-Z-I-A-H. How did you say that, Hannah? Amaziah. Amaziah, that's kind of yeah. what I was thinking. She said it with better confidence. So well, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Amos I had to read it in my head. I was like, all right, A M A. <laughs> Amaziah, Amaziah. Okay, um, I'm gonna take a Hebrew pronunciation class one time for names. Um, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to get up, caught up on a couple of texts. I think that's everything that I need to read over the air. Um, Bible question number one for today. 
Uh, we didn't have a bunch of Bible questions. We we usually get several on Mondays that come in, and yeah. Jason compiles those for us and brings them in. And we didn't get any yesterday because he was on vacation, and so we're a little bit behind. I guess they'll be they'll be back this week sometime. Or oh, I think know? they got back yesterday. Oh, did they? They got back. Okay. They was awesome. like it's just a weekend thing, Thursday yeah. through Monday. It's amazing. Um, Good. I think they had a great time, and so um, getting geared up for the school year. But um, one of the questions I get a lot, and almost without fail, anytime you start talking about Judas and the betrayal and all that, people always want to come. Do you believe Judas is in heaven, or do you believe he's in hell? Um, and you know, yeah, that question went through my mind as we were reading. <laughs> actually, yeah. um, I definitely have. I, I've I've put some thought into this. Um, I do want to say before my thought though that I believe that I'm not judge. And I know God knows a lot better than I do, but we can see fruit. We can we can do all this. So I just want to – I think sometimes people use this as a trick question. And this is why I'm always a little bit hesitant to answer it because I feel like it's a trick question for a lot of people. Yes, They want to, oh, you're judging then. You're playing God. You're doing this. Well, not necessarily. Um, Jesus did call Judas a devil in John chapter 6. Like he, he, he said – you know, because John chapter 6, that was right after the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children – and all these people were following him. And then he yeah. says in John chapter 6, unless you drink of my blood, eat of my flesh, and part, you cannot be partakers of me. Well, he starts preaching all these hard things, and everybody starts to leave. And then the last thing he said was, we start out the verse with 20,000 plus people, the chapter, and we end the chapter with the 12, and he says, one of you are a devil. Wow. And speaking of Judas Iscariot. And so yeah. he had some pretty strong words. Judas, I don't think, ever found repentance. I think he found sorrow, but he never found repentance. And there's a big difference between feeling sorry for what you did and repenting of what you did. And I believe that what happened to him is he saw what he'd done, and he had sorrow, but I don't think he ever found repentance. Well, that reminds me when you say that, Brother Aaron, that uh, in the last several years we've seen a lot of people be sorry for their sins. But now that never really repent for their sins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry they got caught. And then come to church to kind of justify it a little bit, make everybody, to be honest with you, myself sometimes, make somebody feel good because they come to the church, went to the altar, so there's tears on the altar, and they think, all right, this is it. Then all of a sudden they go out in that next week and the next few days, and you're like, man, you didn't change nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they were sorry. Sorry they got caught or sorry this happened or that happened, but never, really, like you said, brother, and never fully repented. Yeah. Never fully gave it over. Um, Hannah, you got anything? Yeah, no, I just, it just makes me think about, like, there's a difference in feeling like embarrassment, called out. I mean, I feel like if you haven't had a heart change, I could see Judas being embarrassed. I could see him feeling very foolish. Yeah. Um, him. All of these things are natural, though. These things aren't really spiritual. I feel like the spiritual side of it, that's where the heart change comes in. Right. And you yeah. start to f- spiritually see that you were were wrong and need to change. It seems like he he thought more in a natural yep. sense. Wow. Yep. Uh, Greg Carwell said he repented in himself, not to God. Um, wow. That's pretty good. Hmm. There that's is... Good. Here, good I'll, read a, I'll read a King James so that... Um, Sometimes people don't believe me if I read the ESV. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> said that out loud. Um, <laughs> and he was looking at me when he said it. I so was I not. Know. I was looking at my phone. <laughs> All right. John, uh, Matthew 26, verse 24. Um, and he answered and said to them, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, 
the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It is good for that man if he had not been born. And I would see that verse as a condemnation. Yeah. I would see that verse as woe unto him. Yeah. Woe unto him. He's talking to Judas, and it would have been better if Judas never had been born. Wow. And if Judas went to heaven, I do not see Jesus making that statement. Right. That's um, a powerful statement. Wow, that is right there, man. I don't want yeah, go ahead, Anna. I would never want that statement <laughs> said well, to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, oftentimes, you know, to be honest with you, Aaron, and tell it, I guess when you get in a room full of uh, scholars and people that want a girl like yourself and also Sister Hannah, when you actually read that, it just, I don't know, but right there, it become more clear to me. Yeah. It really but, did. And, um, and then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Well, it is. Yep. Like, that's basically what Jesus just said. You yep. said it. Yep. And woe unto you, because it would have been better if you had never been born, Judas. Wow. That's a harsh statement. It is. Um, and again. And that's coming from, from our Lord. Matthew twenty six twenty four. Yeah, people that always say, oh, he's a loving, caring God. He ain't going to condemn me for this. He ain't going to. Hey, listen, it ain't about him condemning. It's about you choosing the things. It's just like Judas shows that. He was letting him understand that. He was letting them, hey, you know, you said it. You done it. So. Yeah. Um, and he knew he was going to like he know he and on like I won't get into this probably today but it just has me thinking about the ones that God knows are gonna choose the path of Judas yeah you know like because we have free will but ultimately God knows what choice we're gonna make at the right. end of the day yeah. we don't know so that's why and it kind of goes back to like the predestination yeah. topic we've right. talked about before right. but it is true because God knows he knows what we're going to choose but we don't know what yeah. each other is going to choose so that's why we still we ha- we should do everything in our power to pray yeah. because we can pray you know that's, that's right. what we're here for is to pray and intercede for one another yep. mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we do have free will and God well. knows he knows our, what we're going to choose yep. yeah powerful just a hard thing um hard statement but uh i think that one for me settles the whole judas and eternality thing i think so brother um, and again i always want to try to go back to scripture because then they can't say that we're yeah just making it um judging or because i think 90 percent of the time when that question is asked maybe not 90 that's a poor statistic come off the top of my head. Um, that's more like um, government polling right there. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I would say half the time when that question comes up, it's probably more of a trick question than it is a concern question. Like, I just, because people want. yes. There's certain questions that people want to trick. Um, that's one of them. And then when you start talking about apologetics, you always get into, well, why would a loving God um, yeah. you know, kill people in the Old Testament, yeah. not the New Testament. And you have to be prepared. Why does bad things happen to good people? Good people. All these yeah. questions. And a lot of times it's not about a place of concern to understand. It's about a place to get you. And if if they come after our Lord and Savior Jesus with those manipulative questions, you better believe they're going to come after yeah. us too. And I believe that's why the Scripture over and over commissions us to be instant in season and out of season, ready right. to give it a defense, having some having some knowledge under our belt. And being able, being able to defend when the enemy comes and um, also being able to persuade and convince. 
I'm not saying everybody has to be Bible scholars or everybody has to be um, theologians with a master's degree in it or whatever like that. Yeah. But we we do need to learn our word and we need to get in That's our right. Bible. And um, you know, I was just I was just joking about the King James. I've had a couple <laughs> people text me. Um, I was just joking. I like the King. Everybody <laughs> thinks I don't like it. I I have my main <laughs> Bible is still a King James I Bible. Know it it's is, okay, right? guys. Um, <laughs> I do like the ESV though. I can't lie. Um, but it's I, I really I I really. More than the ESV, though, here's what I think I like about the ESV. Okay. It's my ESV study Bible. Yeah. I really do think it's the best study Bible ever made. Like, wow. I, I've had them. I have a lot. I've given away more Bibles than people's ever owned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so, and I'm not trying to say that bragging. It's just I've had right. a lot of Bibles. Just, yeah. I've used a lot of Bibles. I've went through a lot of Bibles. And my favorite, and I think the ESV study Bible, hands down, is the best study Bible ever on the market today uh-huh. and what they did. And, and I can, and I can say, I really appreciate them because they didn't try to, I've heard like Wayne Grudem, who is the a main editor of it. Um, they didn't strive to teach from a Calvinist standpoint or a standpoint. Like actually a lot of times in study notes, they will bring up where one side sees this or another side sees this and they'll bring up the different views of it. Yeah. Their intention, this was their intention, basically to have a seminary level education to every person that wants it. Well. Wow. And so that's why the Bible's so thick. If you've seen the ESV study Bible, I gave one to Joey one time, and he said, my backpack's a lot heavier since you gave me that Bible. <laughs> um, but literally, I mean, it, even in the back of the Bible, like if you don't have an ESV study Bible, you may not even like the ESV. Right. But the notes and what's in it is worth it. So you would suggest to anybody out there that could get Anybody. Yep. I think anybody Everybody should have an ESV, and I'm not getting paid to sell it. I mean, like, right, I'm right. not, I'm not like trying. I don't get, make no endorsement. I'm not commissioning <laughs> anybody. I'm not. They're not endorsing this. Like, there is nothing there. I'm just being very legitimate. It's the best hands down study Bible that I have um, ever seen. Yeah, and they even have like in the back. They it's like they got the Bible, of course, but then they got in the back all these different things and. What they really built it for is if you get this in the hands of a missionary in the middle of Africa, it's like they're going to seminary. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. there. Um, they have, they take you through the whole scripture, like all the scriptures in the Bible in this one portion in the back about redemption. So like every scripture about redemption and about the th- the threat of redemption and how the gospel came about. I mean, it's just, there's so much stuff in the yeah. SV study Bible and it, it is, um, it's 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 solid. Like right. um, once I'm gonna probably once my kids can read it fully, fully, I'm I'm I am gonna buy all my kids of ESV study Bible. That's and, awesome. And it's not because I'm obsessed with the ESV translation. It's I'm just I just think it's so good. Like right. the whole study Bible. Right. Um, it's well, it's about like uh, well, a lot of study Bibles out there, or even you know, a pastor's notes or sermons or something like that. They'll have notes and they'll have studies on it and things like that. But at the end of the day, they're doing that for you to search it out too. Mm-hmm. For you, why did they get that? What what brought you to think this, or what brought you to say this is true or not? And does it line up with the Word of God? And does it connect with your spirit? Yeah. So, um, once uh, I have a couple of listeners, um, Brother Greg says, "Does it have red words?" I think mine does. 
I really do think mine does in the Gospels. Um, I'll have to yeah. double check it, but I think you can buy them with the red words. Like, I've had about three different ESV study Bibles at this point, and then uh-huh. I got the I have the app too. Okay, um, I have an ESV study Bible app that has all the notes and everything on on so your phone. So everything that you have in the book is in your phone. Also. Yes, I have it on my phone. Um, and then another person said Schofield KJV is the best. Um, Schofield has limited notes. Like we're talking. It's it's very limited in its notes. Um, I have a couple of issues with Schofield on some of his theological understanding of things. Uh, for instance, um, I would my my interpretation of dispensationalism is a little bit different than Schofield, and I think Schofield missed it on a couple of things in eschatology. Um, it and so I, I I don't mind Schofield. Like I have a Schofield study Bible in there, and I use it quite a bit. Now I've got the Schofield ESV. Um, but it is, it's a solid, it's a solid study Bible. Um, like Dakes, which Jason carries around that's bigger than him. He has to have a red wagon to carry it around. Um, it's a solid one too, but yeah. it, you also have to understand Dakes did it before. He did it in a, I mean, I guess Dakes probably at this point, he was early 1900s, I think, when he yeah. wrote. And to be honest with you, for years I had a Dakes. Yeah. And, but there's, to be honest with you also, there's a lot of stuff in it. I was like, uh, no, you know, just yeah. several things. But yeah. that's why you yourself must allow the Holy Ghost, must allow His Spirit sure. to help you through different yeah. things on yeah. why it got to that point. Yeah. Dakes, I definitely disagree with some stuff on. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I mean, um, that's just The facts. baby with the bathwater kind of deal, that was kind of weird when they took Jesus' bathwater and threw it out on somebody, right. which he was saying that he it was written in the context of a story, history, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate Dake's work. Yes. Because he did it time before computers. He was doing it time before we had all access to yeah. the, and he just, he would go up and work on it every single day. Like, I think one of the major things too with me, the pre-adamant world and. Adamaic, yeah. Adamaic, so. Yeah. Uh, he, he did preach an a pre-adamatic people, which yep. is becoming very common in seminaries. Um, even when I went to Bible college. And again, everybody thinks I graduated. The, now, I didn't graduate. I lasted a year. I haven't really, to be honest with you, brother, really studied a whole lot about why they think that. But have yeah. you at all? Sure, is, sure. Yeah, I know, but is it any? Does do you get why they think that, or not really even get it? Um, well, at one time, I will I will be honest with you. No, at that's one good. time, I was probably pre. I probably held the theory too okay. when I was younger. Yeah. Um, because it's very persuasive. Right now. And they come back to Genesis uh-huh. when the earth, earth was without form and void, which in the Hebrew doesn't mean it wasn't here. In the Hebrew, it's saying it was here, but it was chaos. And so what God did when he created the world is he actually created and spoke into the chaos and gave us a earth that's inhabitable by, for humans. So he really created the earth so that we could live here. So I used to think there was some kind of pre-Adamaic people before that. That was roaming the earth that caused chaos. I don't believe that no more. I right. think I'm, I think a more scriptural understanding is that there was demons and that there was fallen angels on the earth and it was chaos and they were cast to the earth. And then I believe the earth was created so that Adam could live here to have dominion over that. Right. And he was supposed to have dominion over everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Everything that was there, Adam was called to have dominion and he surrendered that dominion by sinning. Right. And then that's why Christ came and conquered death, hell, and the grave and took the keeds of the kingdom back from who? Satan. That's awesome, bro. And so... I do not believe there was a pre-Adamaic people, but I do believe that Satan was cast down with his fallen angels here prior to creation. Okay, That's my interpretation. So now, I think Chad, at one time, he would teach that 
it was in the midst of creation fallen angels were cast down. I don't see that per se. I think that they were cast down before creation. Okay. Because um, we never because it seems like as soon as creation done, Satan was already here talking. He was already I yapping. Um, and I see no point. I see no place to even insinuate that in the midst of the six days of creation, seventh day they rested, that Satan and Lucifer, the demons were cast down at that point. Okay. I believe they were here within the earth was that form of void. But that's just me. No, that's but, awesome. But I, mean, I love to ask uh, people that has input, like yourself, brother, that can uh, help me in a yeah. specific way or just get it out there. You yeah. Know and then I will say this, we got to go to break because I, I don't want to leave people hanging on this. I, I think one of the, that was one common view of pre-animate people. The other common view of pre-animate people was that Adam and Eve was the first per se created, but there was a lot of others created at the same time. And that's how we get different races, different things, different positions. I don't believe that either. I believe that through scripture, we see you at the Tower of Babel where he separated and then he dispersed them according to language, I believe. Yeah. And I believe they started to go. And then, of course, depending upon what part of the earth your pigmentation would start to change, all these things started to change in your skin, which I believe is how we started to produce different races or, um, you know, we have different colors or anything like that. I think it's all based upon our pigmentation of the skin, based upon where we was at. Um, and I think that changes because we would evolve. Like, we, we change whenever we're in the sun more or we're not yeah. in the sun. Right. And, um, and so... I think all this is a consequence of the Tower of Babel, but I don't think God created a slew of people. I think we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, and I think that is important. If you've ever been taught that, the reason I think it's important to hold that is it becomes an essential because the one of the things of the gospel is that we have all inherited the sin of Adam. There's the original sin, and because of his sin, through the bloodline of Adam, we are all sinful. So regardless if you sinned or not, you have what we call inherited sin or yeah. original sin or imputed sin that we are sinners. And so even at birth, we have become sinful. Yeah. And that is because we have the bloodline of Adam. And the Adam's sins passed down to the generation, and God came to redeem the bloodline. That's and right. um, That's good, man. And so if we have a lot of creative people, well, I may be from Adam, but then Hannah could be from Joe Schmo. It doesn't work like that. Like, Come on. And so I think we have to guard the fact that Adam and Eve was the only created humans. Everybody else is derivative from them. I got you. That's awesome, And so brother. these are things that we do. Um, these are things we do learn. Um, now, Bible college for me, I didn't like it. I couldn't stand it. I had to, I got out and I just went home and listened yeah. and stealth taught. I'm not saying everybody has to quit Bible college. Like for me, I just struggled because they taught me the gospel of Q. They was teaching me pre-animate people. Um, I felt a lot of, honestly, even at the college I went to, I'm not trying to embarrass them, so I'm not saying it for right now, but I thought even for me, I felt like as a man, I've done a disservice and there wasn't supposed to be gender roles and there wasn't supposed to be anything like that. Like um, it was... And I just feel like if we take gender roles out of the Bible, we're doing a disservice to what God created us to be. Come on. And I feel like we're messing with the order. Um, and because if you if you make gender roles equivalent to hierarchies, you're missing the point of gender roles. That's right. Because there's not one or another that's better. We are just in this together, but we have different roles. Josh does stuff I can't do. Does that make Josh better than me? No. I've got stuff that yeah, Josh can't, can't do. do. That does not make me better than Josh. That's right. That means we complement each other. That's it. And where Josh slacks, I can make up. And where I slack, Josh Come makes up. Now. And where we both slack, Hannah makes up. That's it. All right? And that's that's roles. Like, we have roles. Roles does not equate to hierarchy. Roles just mean they're stuff that God's called us to do. That's it. And I see the gender roles the same way. 
God's called men to do stuff. God's called women to do stuff. And he's called children to do stuff. And when they grow up, they do different stuff. But, you know, there's different gender roles for all of us. And if we start ripping that away, then we actually give place for the devil like we've seen. Now we, we went from taking away gender roles to now taking away gender. Come on now. And we're now That's just good, here. That's awesome. Um, so let's read our first second. I got to quit preaching. Um, no, you're doing great, man. I'm gonna let uh, Han- I'm gonna hey. let Hannah and you take over. I talked too much this <laughs> no, morning. No, I opened it up for you, so uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. I feel like I'm just dominating. No, Hannah's just good. over here you're drinking good. her drink. Let, yeah. Let's go into gender roles when we get back. All right, Tuesday question number two, sponsored by Hickton Land Surveying. Who was the high priest during the time of Zechariah? Who was the high priest during the time of Zechariah? Two seven zero two five seven two six eight nine. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network. All right, we are back here. We got an answer for that trivia question. Uh, Brother Joey Sosh got it right, and that answer is, um, let me see here. Who was the high priest during the time of Zechariah? Joe Joshua, Zechariah 6, 10 through 11. Uh, remember, you got to, I uh, had like I had several text me during that time. Um, unfortunately, we have to do a call. Um, to make sure that we are having the right one, because if I get a text, Josh gets a text, and Hannah gets a text. Who was the first text? That's right. That's uh, right. So. And so we gotta we gotta do a uh, via the telephone. But Joey Sosh got it right in there, so his name gets in the drawing. We're trying to we're getting the house geared up back there, and him man, and Miss oh, Megan will That's be awesome. moving in soon and getting the kids back there. And um, yeah, happy anniversary again this yep. morning, right? Happy, happy, happy anniversary. I'm trying to think of the song in my head. I'm gonna yeah, make you one. are. <laughs> yep. No, I had uh, my granny called me while I go during break, and they're coming home through Georgia and said, we are coming in loud and clear this Loud morning. and clear That's to Georgia. Said, Come so. on, let's go. <laughs> I know that uh, that we've had a couple also say they couldn't get us, so we don't know if it's because of signal or what. But um, anyway, they say that they can get us coming through Georgia, yep. so that's pretty good, brother. When Mr. Finley and Miss Doris is out on Sundays, you sure do miss them. That's for sure. We sure do miss them. They just have such a sweet presence about them, and Mm -hmm. you just love them. You just love them. They're with my uh, Uncle Steve and Aunt Tammy went down there to see some people in Florida, and so uh, it sounds like they are on their way back. They're world travelers. Boy, they are, ain't they? They they travel more than anybody I know. I I tell them all the time, I said, man, I don't know if I can keep up with y'all. I don't think I could keep up. During the the, um, Memorial Day picnic thing we had over there, Yep. You know, he's sitting there weed eating with one hand, doing something with the other, and I'm like, "Can I help you?" He said, "I got it." Yeah, I said, "You're wearing me out watching you." I guarantee it. Yeah, so. uh, but they are. I love them so much. I um, know all right, well, Hannah, you said you wanted to ask some more questions about, or you were going to teach us about gender roles, right? Me teach. So me and, <laughs> I me need and, to prepare a little bit more. Me and Josh is going to go down and eat I breakfast. Try, you try. have a great broadcast. Um, we love you guys. We're back tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think, though, it's this topic is not talked about and taught in, biblically. Like, I think this topic is talked about and th- statements are just thrown around, like, well, girls need to dress like this and guys need to dress like this. And, like, 
I agree. I think there should definitely be a distinction. We shouldn't see men and women dressing the exact same. Like, but I think we focused on the wrong things. Like, we focused on girls need to wear pink and boys need to wear blue more than like actually getting down to the nitty gritty what the Bible says. Yeah. And I'm not saying in every church circle, but I would just say I think things have gotten not even just with gender roles, but even like politically in, in our culture, like things have ran off onto topics that really don't matter as much. And that's muddied the water on really just getting back to the Bible basics on what God has to say about our identity. Yeah. I think we've got to teach things that are practically applying to our Christian walk. Yes. Um, and even like, you know, when we talk about gender roles, we, we we can be confused with anything like we we have what we would do is like shallow things we want to fix the shallow things and we want to try to because the deep things are the hard things to fix mm-hmm. so it's easier to say boys don't wear pink girls wear pink well i wear pink a lot so uh <laughs> i like the i actually like wearing the color pink i don't know why i think it brings out my eyes um i got a pink <laughs> shirt and i wear a tie that's got maddie when she was a little kid yeah. and stuff so and when i wear the pink shirt brother ernie he always teases me a little bit about me wearing a pink shirt <laughs> real, real men wear pink um but you know i think we have to teach things in a biblical proportion. Yeah. And for me, biblical manhood is more about who we are than it is just about what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we are protectors. We are loving. We are, I say like this, real biblical men will fight a bear to save their family, but gentle enough to hold their baby girl. And it's, we got to be both. That's it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think even if you go into the political realm a little bit too, like you were talking about muddying the waters, for me, I won't ever back up on situations like abortion right. or what we would say on marriage and the sanctity of marriage and what God calls marriage to be. There are certain things. It's not even a political issue. It's a conviction, biblical, moral issue that God has established and we must make a stand. Yeah. But, well, I have a conversation with somebody without being upset about climate control or climate change or anything like that. I think more of these conversations would be had because I need to tell them how they're wrong. But um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just joking. You got it, brother. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> Um, I actually have a lot of really good conversations with people of the different persuasion on political matters. Yeah. Um, because I think if we if we come into conversations with the intent to grow, edify, equip, hear each other, then they're it's just a lot better received. Now right. they also know that I'm not going to back up on certain issues. So yeah. I think that's across the board where we just start to understand there's certain things according to the Bible we can't change mm-hmm. and we, we can't back up on like there will yes. never be biblical permission for abortion. Right. You're just not going to see it. Like it's murder. Um, now if you want to get into the issue of like, um, saving a mama's life or anything like that, like I get that. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is using abortion as a form of birth control is nothing other than murder. Yeah. Like there's just no other way you can swing it. I don't care what you say. I don't care how you swing it. I mean, for me, even um, I would push my push things a little bit even harder in some things. But I do what I do understand what Hannah's saying is that sometimes we get caught up on the things that don't really matter. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we get so caught up in the things that don't matter, when we try to address the things that do matter, we're not heard. Right. And I mean, you just spend too much time trying to relate to somebody about something that what you're saying. We often say it's not a necessarily we don't think or this is what I say sometimes. 
necessarily a heaven or hell issue. Mm-hmm. But some of those things about abortion, those really big critical moments and critical yeah. times, more or less, I mean, I can see where that can become, is certainly, mm-hmm. I believe, Brother Aaron, big a deal. Heaven, a heaven and hell issue. Big, big deal. More or less, if you think, you know, it's okay to kill, that mm-hmm. means you're saying, all right, but then again, one of the very first commandments was, thou shalt not kill. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, then it talks about adultery. But then again, in the New Testament, he opens it up. But if one of you look upon a woman or look upon this one, even lust of that her, then therefore you have already committed the adultery. See, mm-hmm. it changes in a mo- in the time of where we just think, all right, it's this big sin here, and that's it. I've had people tell me before, and people know this, I used to work with a bunch of different people in construction. And they said, well, if I just follow those Ten Commandments in Exodus, I think I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's awesome that you do that. But if that's all you're doing, brother, there's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. I said, you more or less ain't even give your heart over to the Lord. Yeah. And you're trying to justify you just going by something that people tell you about or you see uh, you know, in a person's yard about the Ten Commandments, think you just follow them, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. I said, there's so much more than that. I said, because if you just read that commandment there... And then don't really go into how the Lord told us to follow those things and how it can become even sin in our own life. You know, in James, it talks about him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. What it is, what is it? It's sin. Yeah. Because if you know to do good and don't do it, that's what it becomes. And I don't want anything that, anything that isn't like him, anything that even gives somebody another perspective to say, man, I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, just like there's a different situation. I'm not going to really get into it, but I'm going to just tell it out there right now. You know, there's people that say, well, you know, if I tell somebody I think it's wrong to drink or I think it's wrong to do drugs or I think it's wrong to maybe, maybe even, I'll go ahead and say this, maybe even smoke for me. Mm-hmm. They say, well, I don't know about that. I'll say, well, I do. You want me to tell you about it? You know what I'm saying? A lot of things that you think that are biblical and others are saying, well, I don't know about that. Well, I do. You want me to tell you about it? You may show you in Scripture why I think this. And then I can help, I can try to show somebody, all right, this is why I believe that it's wrong. Yeah. You know, according to the Scripture. Not just according to what I say, mm-hmm. but according to Scripture, here is why I got it. That's the important thing is having the Scripture to back it up. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things with, you know, we were talking about gender roles that really there's some opinions that people have they don't have scripture to back it up right on a different opinion right and um i would much rather have somebody in the body of the christ that is maybe they don't dress like all the other men i'm not saying they dress like a like a woman but like maybe their dress attire is more preppy or i don't know what you would consider it but i mean maybe they why are you looking at joey when you say that (laughs) (laughs) maybe they look different maybe they look different than the rest but they treat their wives with respect they sacrifice their their families in order they're protecting their children they're protecting their providing for their household yeah but they might look different they might act a little bit different they might have a different personality but I think for so long there's been like you know when the gay and you know used to be queer was the was the word but um throughout you know the past I don't know like 50 years you know people started to look different talk different people would be noticing differences and because of somebody the way they look maybe you would say oh well you look gay they look gay you know and so I think sometimes even without realizing it people can speak n- curses over other people by saying that they look like that 
And right. sometimes that can plant some confusion in people. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it gives an excuse for them to go live that lifestyle. It does yeah. not at all. Right. But I'm saying I think we have to take our mindset. I think Jesus deals with a lot of this stuff in John of taking our eyes off of the like the things that don't matter, the way we dress, the way you know, we're, that if we're not looking exactly like, because I mean, these disciples were different and they were way different than the Pharisees. And I think constantly he was trying to get their mindset off of the things that don't matter, the things that are more like religious mindset yeah. things. And like we talk about open handed issues versus close handed issues. Right. The things that are really important and principles versus things that really don't matter. And I think if we could do that more, um, it could maybe help with this um, confusion of identity and things like that. Because at the end of the day, if you love the Lord with all your heart, your mind and your soul, and you're providing for your family, you're, um, you know, doing what this word says, those other things don't really matter as much. Okay. I see what you're saying. And then, uh, you know, we often say this, of course, you know, I've been taught this the last several years, you know, that mattered. We have some that are, got different convictions than what me or brother billy even does and you know but as their leaders as long as they're doing things according to the word which they are i want to stand up for their convictions if somebody goes to talking about people like that or something like that therefore i'm going to step in and i'm going to stand up for mm-hmm. others convictions why because they're serving the lord and they're doing what they ought to do hey let's don't Let's don't really touch on that because, listen, you know, you don't know why it got them to that point of why they believe that. Just like, you know, myself. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think that we should say certain even, I know I shouldn't say curse words. What we say, curse words. Mm -hmm. But there's even words that we don't really say that are curse words that are words that really, hey, I don't think you ought to say. Like by words. Like they're just replacing. See, and I was taught that by something happened at work one time even back years ago and also with my uh with my wife's nanny as well i said a word that really it probably wasn't a very good word but i just said it you know and then i substituted uh me being mad at work one time a word that i said um it might have said when something happened and hit my finger or something with a hammer you know instead of saying a word that they would have said i said to be honest with you i said stink I did because I was aggravated myself because I hurt myself. Mm-hmm. But I didn't go off and throw the hammer and run off like a lot of them did. But then I'd done that one time, and Brother Aaron, and they said, uh, what's the difference in you doing that? And me do-? I said, does that offend you? They said, well, it don't offend me, but what's the difference? I said, well, I'll try my best not to say it around you then. Mm-hmm. I said, because I don't want you to think that I'm thinking a curse word or something in my head. Yeah, I do know what they are. <laughs> But I don't want to say them. Yeah. And so, therefore, you know, sometimes you get caught on things like that. But then yet, our conversation must be just how our dress should be. Our dress should be modest. Our conversation should be modest. And therefore, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, forming myself for somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm living for God. Yeah. But the thing about it is, along the way, I'll be honest with you, Anna, if there's something that offends somebody and I, I cause them to take their focus off of Jesus because it's something I do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try my best to yeah. make it, make them feel as if I'm pointing everything I have to Jesus. Yeah. I'm not conforming to them, but if it has something to do with that to where I can serve the Lord more, where I can grow in Him, and that's what I want to do because yeah. that's our goal. Our goal is to make sure that we point 
people to Christ. If Jesus called it sin by way back in the beginning, it's still sin. Mm-hmm. If Jesus says, hey, search it out yourself, I'm going to search it out. Yeah. If Jesus just says, hey, you know to do good, you're not doing it, it's sin. Therefore, it's sin. So there's some of these things we call open-handed issues. We call issues that are sometimes, just like we said, of really no importance. You're right. They're they're not going to really affect my salvation. But still yet, if we allow them to grow and if we allow them to aggravate us in a way to lose our focus off of Jesus, and therefore it can become that sin he's talking about there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had one. I've had a question that come up, and I want to clarify my stance on this in case I let anybody astray. or, um, And it's a very difficult question to talk about, but they go back to the abortion thing, so I feel like I need to answer it. Cause, okay. Um, they said, am I saying that abortion is right if the mother's life is in danger? Um, I think this is one of the most incredibly difficult decisions and <coughs> answers on this question of abortion. Again, I'm going to rest that I think abortion is always wrong. I think abortion is wrong, period. I think it's murder. Um, I think that less than 1% of all abortions performed in the United States of America are because of the mother's life in danger. Another 1% is from incest and rape. And so that equals under 2% are from something other than birth control. The rest of them are really nothing other than birth control. You're just, and that's a demonic thing that even started with Alice Bailey that you have to make. If you're going to make sex free, you have to make abortion easy and legal. And that's what happened. And that's been the Satan's, that's been Satan's plan from the beginning. And so now I want to say that I'm not a medical professional on this, but I have read a lot of things and I've read some things into this. A lot of your medical professionals will say that actually terminating a baby's life, even to save a mom's life, is almost, if ever, never um, necessary. That you really don't have to kill the baby. Um, There's other ways to do it. But it is risky. Um, And, I mean, this is coming from somebody who just walked through a season two or three months ago where um, when the baby went to the wrong tube in my wife and she almost bled to death and she was... Um, you know, God supernaturally healed, but my wife's outcome could have been a lot different. And we were asked, well, what would you have done if you had to terminate the baby or save your wife's life? I'm very thankful we didn't have to make that decision. Like, that's a hard decision. And so I think it's a tough one. I think it's difficult. I am going to rest. I don't think abortion's right. And um, I think that for us, I can't answer for you. Um, and I think for us, I, I don't I don't know what like I don't know how you walk that out. I don't know how you said you, I don't even know you put it in words. And I'm not trying to fumble through. I'm saying this is incredibly difficult, like your wife's your baby, like, you know, and I think we've got to. We've got to stop making everything just simple and easy. I mean, like and it's, sometimes it's really hard things to talk about and walk things because we can say, well, you just do it. I agree. Abortion's wrong. But I've also sat across the table from a mother who's had to make the decision. And it's my life or their life. And a lot of times they'll they, they are distraught. They are they yeah. are destroyed because they to them they made the wrong decision, they made the right I don't know I don't know how to put in an answer. I just think abortion's wrong. Like I'm not trying to give content I'm not trying to give permission. I'm not trying to because I think this is another trick question kind of thing. Like not not this guy. I don't think not he's that, trying. To, right. I don't think he's trying to trick. He it. just wanted you to clarify. And I think you are. I um, think you are. But I but also I'm never I am also not going to be the one to put a guilt, condemnation, and shame. Um, because here's what we've done in the church when we've dealt with abortion. We have we have stressed appropriately that abortion's wrong. But we've also never helped the women who's had abortions heal. Yeah. We, we haven't done it. What we've done is preach condemnation on yep. them. And um, 
a lot of abortions happened before the lady was ever born again. Yeah. Before yeah. they ever, and sometimes they was even born again, and no one's ever given good truth because there's a lot of deception going out, and a lot of pastors are preaching abortions. Okay, so if you've been led astray, and you've been deceived, and you've had one, now you've come to revelation. We just basically murder the child. Yeah. Well, the church is good at putting condemnation on on this. But again, we've got to go back to the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, yep. but against principalities. Amen. And we have to do in the church better at helping women get restoration and healing from abortions and also the men who were involved as well. That's right. Yeah. Both. Exactly. And we, we've got to preach truth. But we also got to restore. He who has fallen from spirituality, him who is spiritual, restores such a one with a spirit of gentleness, Galatians 6 1. Yeah. And and I just think that I think the abortion is something we've got to keep preaching against. But right. there's two other things that I, I know I dominate. I'm sorry, guys. No, I'm no, start no. To talk. no, this um, is good. I think that we have to do better at helping people heal from them yep. and get restoration after they've, they've made the mistake or been deceived into it. And then a second thing is I think that we cannot preach against abortion if we're not going to preach for adoption. Yeah. And the That's, and yes. and the church has got to quit playing this game of trying to preach against abortion until the cows come home but never willing to adopt anything. Well, I want to say something before we go to break, Brother Aaron, and I always think about you. When you make a stance for something, I do firmly believe that you and Sister Heather has done nothing but, you know, great for the kids, the children you have adopted, you know, people that come against abortion said all right what are you gonna do about it? well me and sister Aaron we're or me and sister heather i'm sorry <laughs> me and sister heather did we just fix this gonna, gender oh, issue? Man. it's okay I somebody somebody be. called me Aaron the uh, other day so i can be sister Aaron. <laughs> but anyway so brother Aaron and sister heather has stepped in and say all right we'll take them yeah you know what i'm saying well a lot of people in church and even sometimes i'll be honest with myself maybe to be honest with you i'm against it Okay, you're against it. Well, here you go. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Are you going to take him? Yep. You're going to take the little kid? Yep. Here you go. I'm just trying to be real with this yeah. this morning. Yeah. You know, I'm against it. You know I'm against it. Uh-huh. It's murder. But then again, if they're going to say, okay, well, here you go. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Then when the role gets in your in your hand, then what's up? Yeah. I just want to be real with you this morning. I want to be real with everybody that's listening. Okay? We say we're against it. We say we didn't for it. All right, what are you going to do when it's just throwed in your hands? Well, they shouldn't have, but I'm saying at that particular moment, we're done past that part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're done past the part that they shouldn't have. We're past that. Now we're to the point yeah. of where life yeah. or not. One of the criticisms of the church with abortion, and and I, as a pastor, I've heard this, and I actually tend to agree with this criticism, is this. Pro-life for a lot of people stops just getting the baby born. Pro-life does not stop just for the baby getting born. Pro-life is meaning that, hey, we're pro-life. We want them to have life, and we want them to have a good life. We want them to have a life where they're taken care of. And now we're not saying, we're not saying that, well, the church ain't doing it, so let's just go ahead and let abortion happen. I say we just fix both issues. There's enough people in the Church of America that if we would become foster parents and we would become adoptive parents. I know. We would clear out the foster system. If we would create programs, if we would have outreach, if we would have, you know, there's there's even more than, like, we need more foster parents, but there could be even more financial um, help. There could be even more programs um, yeah. come up and start. Well, yeah. see, I mean, a lot of people also, and of course, uh, my wife, you know, we talk about this often. You know, a lot of these children that are just like the kids that you've adopted, Brother Aaron, uh, you have... Uh, 
you know, you've helped them out of situations where they was at where more or less the the government might have had to just completely take over and provide for the families. Mm -hmm. Well, we that are saying we are not for the abortion, we're not for all those things. Well, a lot of those kids are, if you're not, a lot of those kids that are born are born into what they call the system. Mm -hmm. They are then going to become on food stamps. They're going to become uh, dependent upon government help. They're going to become depend on that. And then you got church people saying, and uh, Rachel was chiming in, you got church people saying, well, I'm not for that, I'm not for that, I'm not for that. Well, like I said a while ago, well, then you pick them up and do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so then if we're saying we're, we're not, we want the child to live, and therefore we must be prepared to provide for that one in a way that will allow it to grow up in the way yeah. that it should. In the New Testament, when the church was founded, it was orphans and widows were the church's responsibility, actually not the state's. Yeah. It was the church's. Yeah, it's about like we wanted to have life, but after they're born, hey, do, yeah. do what you got to do. Yeah, you know. and, um, you know, it's, I'm not trying to put condemnation. I know you don't. And it's not a saying if you don't adopt or foster, you, you should never preach against abortion. I'm just saying you can't have both. You, yeah. you, you, I mean, you can't have either or. Like, if a lot of these kids, we are, I'm praying for the day where one abortion doesn't happen in the United States of America, illegal or illegal. I don't care what it is. I'm praying the abortion's completely gone. But if abortion's completely gone, the church better be ready to be completely adopting wow. and taking it in That's because it. these kids are going to go somewhere. And yep. I told somebody the other day, like, you hear all these questions about, like, you hear these fire stations and everything to have the baby safe house yep. and Haven all that. I give one. I take one here in heartbeat. I would. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't care what kind of state loops I got to jump through. I don't care if it means saving a kid's life. I had to come to that point because the state frustrated me so much at times. And I'm just being honest. And yeah. I mean, I'm still with the state because we got one more to adopt. Right. Um, and it's frustrating. It's tiresome. I hate all the regulations. I hate all the red tape. I, yeah. I feel sorry for the kids because they're the ones really suffering in the system. I feel sorry. And I actually feel sorry for the workers a lot, too, because they're suffering. People blame the social workers. People blame this. And there, there are bad ones. I get it. But for the most part, these social workers are wanting to help kids, but there's so much bureaucracy they can't. Yep. And they get so tired they quit. I see it over and over and over. But if it's a matter of sticking with it for a year or two to deal with it so you can give a kid a life and give them a life more than what they have, why, why don't we – we have to learn to be okay with inconvenience. I think a lot of times the reason we don't adopt, the reason we don't foster is because of the inconvenience. That's, that's but just isn't a kid's life worth the inconvenience? That's what I had to remind. And I'm not, look, me and Heather, we got frustrated. We got, we are not saints by no means. We have been frustrated with this whole yeah. system and it's hard. Like it is really hard because a lot of times you're, I mean, you're adopting kids that necessarily is not always grateful. That's not always happy. Because they miss their real parents and they miss all these things. And the whole thing is hard. But we remind ourselves, isn't a kid's life worth the inconvenience? Yep. I right. mean, well, and so this is just a big topic that I don't feel like a lot of churches will even tackle. Yeah. And um, and because no matter for a lot of times when you talk about situational leaders, no matter what you say, you're offending one side. And I'm just tired of living with the fear of offending because at the end of the day, I don't want one abortion to happen, but I also don't want one kid left in the system aging out because no family wanted them. Wow. Yeah. And I think the latest statistic I heard in the state of Kentucky is we have what I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think we have well over 400,000 kids waiting for adoption in the state Man. of Kentucky. Something like, I think that was a stat I heard. I could be wrong, but that is yeah. I think that's it. 
Um, and so, and I understand like there are some people that's at a stage of life where you couldn't foster and you yeah. couldn't adopt. I, I do understand that there are certain stages right. you can't, but we can do something to help those younger families that can. Yeah. Like we can pray, we can ask the Lord, Lord, is there any amount that you're wanting me to give to the, to this family or that yeah. family or this agency to help fund, you know, I, there's always ways. I feel like if you care about something enough, you will find ways to take action. Yeah. And I, you know, you mentioned something about sides. I'm so tired of there being sides in the body of Christ. Wow. That's There's good. not supposed to be sides in the church. That's good, Hannah. There should be a side of the world against the church, but that's going to happen no matter what because there's good and evil, but we shouldn't have sides in the church. Yeah, that's good. We shouldn't. That's awesome. Especially when it comes to this issue because we're clearly given, you know, like orphans and widows are important to the Lord and wants us to show compassion to them. Wow. Man, oh, man. Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, we're going to take a break here. Get a little bit of a break. Um, no trivia this one, right? I'm nope. a little bit lost. Nope. All right, no trivia. So we'll be right back here after the break on Warren's Box 2 Radio on the bucket. Yeah. We had another text. I call in. Brother Frank called in. Um, was asking about maybe when a woman has complications and it just naturally, you know, the baby passes away. That's what happened to us. I yeah. mean, the baby was always passed, already passed away. And of course, I don't think that's perceived anything according to abortion or anything like that. Um, that's honestly just a... Um, but I, I think that's another example that abortion's wrong because people say, well, it's just a fetus. But if you lose a baby in the womb from natural complications or something like that, even a person who's for abortions most of the time is upset because they lost the baby because it's okay to kill the baby with abortion. But if the baby passes away naturally from a, from complications or some kind of natural issue, then they feel the weight of it because they feel like they lost their baby. Yeah. And I think it's just another example how that 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 baby is alive and we feel it's alive. And, of course, our miscarriage happened really quickly. Now, the first one happened a little bit later. We've been, we've miscarried twice now. And this last one, though, of course, my wife's health was at major risk. Um, she could have definitely have died from the complications. We didn't even know what was going on. Right. God supernaturally put a clot there that does not happen. And the clot was there even after the tube was taken out. Like, that's how good our God is. The the, t the clot never moved. Even after the surgery, the finagling around, even when the tube was completely moved from my wife's body, the clot that stayed when it ruptured was still there. Yeah. The clot was still intact. So that's how good my God is. That's right. But we felt the weight of the baby. Yeah. We still feel the weight yeah, of it. Yeah, you still do. And because that baby, even at initial con conception, was still a baby for us. Yep. And I believe the two babies that we've lost in the womb, I firmly believe I will know in heaven. I just know. I just, I feel like I want to know them. I feel like somehow supernaturally. And you say, well, you won't. I do believe we're going to know each other. It says we have not given a marriage, but I don't think that means I'm not going to know who Josh is. And I believe yeah. supernaturally I'll know those two babies that we lost because they were life wow. and they had life. And he knew them before he formed them in the womb. That's it. And so, man. Um, all right, Josh, all we'll, right. we'll leave this heavier topic and go to <laughs> Mana on Monday so we can be refreshed. That's right. So, no, that's awesome, man. I mean, I enjoyed the conversation this morning. A lot of things you, you know, like, uh, like grit your teeth at and say a few things and then think about it. And then, but, I mean, that's just um, we try to be open. We try to be open here to the point of why we believe. We better be able to stand upon the Word of God 
and express to people why we believe certain things of why we do these. So, manna on Monday here this Tuesday morning. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with, with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. When I see in Scripture the Lord is God, I always think of how many people there is. They believe there's a God, but don't allow him to be God with their life. He is always faithful in what he says he will do. In, in the last part of this verse, who, who is he faithful to? Those that love him and keep his commandments. We always know and expect God to be faithful, but never hold our own selves to that same expectation. Throughout every generation, there have been people who continue to keep his word, and I'm thankful for those that have gone before me that have kept it. My expectations don't need to be built upon man, but upon God, and understanding that if I love him and keep his commandments, he is faithful to keep his word and promise unto a thousand generations. Be the ones in your generations that continue to allow God's work to thrive during the time we have left. Declare unto others that there is a God, that loves them, and without him in their life they will spend the eternity in hell. Hold fast to the faithfulness of God this morning. Be strong, stay strong, and we strong. You know, but something about expectations, and there was probably a time in my life where I was probably looking to uh, fulfill the expectations of men and people around me more so than the expectations, expectations of God. Yeah, it's you good. know, so I mean, so a lot of times, I guess, when we are we people pleasers or are we God pleasers? Mm-hmm. I mean, there is nothing that I like better, to be honest with you, than having the having the approval of people, because I, I don't want to make I, I guess I don't want to make people mad. I don't want to make them aggravated. But as I grow, I understand that if we always have the approval of man more than likely we're not having the full approval of God. Because, listen, we're going to, if we're on this earth to, uh, just like we was talking about, to be fruitful and also multiply, if we're on this earth to do that, therefore we're going to, there's going to be a lot of people probably that's not going to like what we stand for, not going to like what we say, or not like going to like how we conduct our lives. But still yet, I want to make sure that I understand what I can understand, that I can understand the expectations of God, what he has for me in my life, and do the thing that he's commanded us to do, and from this point on unto a thousand generation. You know, whether he, when he comes back, you know, we don't know the day nor the hour. We can, I do believe that we can know the seasons and the times, but still yet, I understand even now, I believe he's coming for his church in a way that is preparing us for to meet him. Yeah. You know, in our services, in uh, the people now, even though I'm not saying he's going to step out on a cloud, blow the trumpet, the lane's going to blow the trumpet, and he's going to come, but to the point of where he's coming to the church, therefore he's preparing us to meet him. And so if that's in my generation, if that's in the next generation, or back when he prepared Abraham, he said unto a thousand generations, just like he did here in Deuteronomy, whenever that is still, he's preparing us for this particular moment to express to people and to, to let people know that God is faithful and he keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him. Amen.
So that's uh, what I have for the manna this Tuesday morning. I love that. Hold, what was it that you said? Hold fast to the faithfulness of God. Amen. Hold fast. I love that. <laughs> that's right. Because we do. I, and God's been speaking to me lately about what are we like holding on to? What are we picking up yeah. and holding tight to? You know, because we are constantly with sanctification, we have to lay things down. Amen. You know, lay them down, cast our cares upon him. Um, and so, but we can also pick those things back up. Right. You know, we lay them down and we get delivered, but it's our choice to pick them back up when the enemy presents it back to us, when Come we're tempted now. again with it. Yep. And so I just love that the wording of hold fast, hold, hold to the faithfulness, because if we're holding faithfulness with both of our hands, we can't be picking up other things. Yeah. If right. we if if we we can just envision that you That's know if good. we're holding if we're taking hold of Jesus we don't have room in our hands to hold on to any of Come the, the other stuff. That's good. And so I just I love that hold fast to the faithfulness of God Amen. because that right there is trust. Yeah. That's it. That's trust, right? That's it. What we you know what Aaron talks about a lot that sums up our sums up the gospel sums up our relationship with the Lord is trust. And that is if we're holding fast to it, holding to his faithfulness, trusting that he is who he says he is, then that's trust right there. I love that. Well, a lot of times, you know, when you, of course, I'm not, when people talk about um, holding something, it's like they'll get to the point where they can't hold it no more. But if you tie a knot in it, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It's easier to tie onto. It's easier to hold on to. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, sometimes you play tug of war and you put one of the strongest guys in the back and what do they do with that rope? They more or less tie it around and put it around them where they can get everything they have into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's, you know, you can sometimes take these natural things that we do. Actually, I believe it's for us to see it spiritually too. Yeah. Like, you know, oftentimes we try to, people out there, they try to confuse it. They try to say, there's no way I can do it. But really, everything in front of us is made by the Lord. Yeah. You know, he allowed us to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, whatever I can do to to strengthen my walk with God, that's what I want to do. If I need to tie a knot in, if I just need to hold it. See, I need to, sometimes we talk about advancing. We talk about, and we should be advancing. But in the middle of my waiting sometime, I'm staying strong. Yeah. In the middle of a storm sometime, all right, I'm going to hold right here because I'm preparing for what's ahead of me. Yeah. You know, sometimes we want to wait. We want to rush through the storm. We want to rush through a situation when we say that. But sometimes I think the Lord wants us to hold right there for a minute. Let's learn some things and prepare us because, hey, that storm's getting ready to pass. And I'm preparing you for what's coming. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a biblical concept because if you go to the um, armor of God in Ephesians chapter 4. That's right. In chapter 6, he talks about the shoes shod with the gospel, the preparation of peace. Well, for a Roman soldier, they would wear these sandals that have literally cleats on the bottom. Right. So they'd have spikes on it because in the rocky terrain, they needed that spike for footing. But also, they can make a stand and hold their ground because there's advancements. But honestly, your advancement's not always coming in the midst of the storm. During the midst of the wind, you're just holding your ground, and then you'll start to march once that wind hits. Because like a straight line wind... I was listening to news yesterday, and something about the Midwest, Southwest, whatever it is, is the hottest it's ever been. Like, Death Valley's going to break a record. And so they say when that gets that hot, what happens with the storms coming to the east is that it's going to go over the top. And when it goes over the top, people like us over here in Kentucky in the eastern part, well, we get straight-line winds. 
So during a straight line wind, they're very short, but they're very powerful, and they just come all together. Yeah. Well, if you're mar- if you're like running a race, you're not going to run against the straight straight line wind. What you'll do is you'll plant yourself. Yeah. And you just stay your course so you don't fall back. Yeah. And then good. once the line goes through, you just keep marching forward. And so I believe when all storms are coming against That's you awesome. and all life's coming against you, you can stand your footing against the wind and you shod because why you got the gospel of peace jesus has made a way for you when there seemed to be no way and that's why i say every morning he is the god of the impossible is because he makes you stand when you can't stand that's it and i think sometimes advancement is just standing and not falling back that's it brother and i mean i don't know why brother i mean i know this common stuff i know it man and i know but some about when you said it i mean it just revelates into me more you know, and I th- got this thought when you talk about standing during that straight line wind or whatever. You know, because a lot of times if you try to fight it, you exhaust all your energy yes. to trying to get through it. And then when you're through it, it's like, all right, I'm so exhausted, I ain't ready to go. Yep. You know, but if you just stand there, yep. wait for it to pass, then let's go. Let's keep going. So It's awesome, man. I love yeah. it. Um, because actually sometimes in the midst of a storm, it's your forward, forward progress that actually hurts you. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not saying we can't move forward. I'm right. just saying, I like, know what you're, yes. but I, what I am saying is that sometimes there's a moment in our life where all we can do is stand and yeah. stare for and don't feel condemned because you don't feel like you're moving forward in the midst of a storm. Yeah. Because you are moving forward because right. you're not moving backwards. That's it. That's it. <laughs> as long as we're <laughs> holding on. That's right. Holding on to him, we're moving forward. That's, that's right. Because right. if where he goes, we go. So all that matters is we're, we have, we're beholding him. Yeah. And, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because we anchor, you know, I remember somebody preaching a message one time about, you know, throwing your anchor out, anchor down. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, but I mean, the people that think, oh, you got to be advancing all the time. You got to be, mo- you better be moving forward all the time. But no, we know actually, and those that say that also know that there's sometimes that we got to hold, we got to anchor down, we got to sit still. You know, that song that's been out for several years now. The but anchor wild, holds. The anchor holds, yeah. Though <laughs> <laughs> the ship I, is battered. Come on, Aaron. I love it. Sing it now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but no, then another one, you know, I'm thinking of as well, while I'm waiting. What are you doing while you're waiting? What do you do while you're waiting? I mean, what do we do when we go to yeah. appointment? And therefore, you know, I've heard this before. People go to appointments and they're waiting in the waiting room for a couple hours for an appointment they had two hours ago. And they get in there, their blood pressure's high, this is going on, that's going on. Because why they were so anxious while they was waiting. Yeah. yeah. And now while we're waiting, what do we do? I got my phone here, I got my favorite game. So if I'm waiting, yeah. oh well. You Distraction. Know, I can read the Bible I can read the Bible or I play a game. It's my choice of what I do yeah. while I'm waiting. Yeah. I, I like this. Uh I shared this on Facebook. I don't know if I can find it, but I think I remember how it was worded. It says, If you're waiting on the Lord, then do what waiters do. Serve. Wow. That's awesome. That's yep. good. That's yep. awesome, Hannah. Yep. Serve yep. while you're just like that's, waiters that's, do. That's it. That's yep. it. And oftentimes, to be honest with you, you talk about waiters and waitresses. I remember oftentimes their tip relies on how well they do what they do. Mm-hmm. So if your advancement determines on how well you wait, then are we willing yep. to wait? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Come on. That's good stuff. And the only way we have and can ever wait and stand our ground in the midst of the storm is if we learn that we have the gospel the good news that gives us peace that's it gives mm-hmm. us peace wow and regardless of what we're going through we have peace with god and Amen. if we have peace with us and he, we know he's with us 
then we understand greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There's going to be no weapon formed against us that will prosper. Nothing is impossible with our God because what's impossible man is possible with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And it gives us peace. That's right. And I preached a lot on peace because peace costs way too high of a price for me to throw it away so flippantly. That's right. And you say, well, peace is free because of the cross. Well, it's free to us, but it costs Jesus everything. It's, so the peace yeah. that you're called to walk in was actually the highest price. Right. Well, and I don't want to keep throwing it around like it's no big deal. That's it. Because he paid a lot of price for me to have peace. Yes, he did. And yeah, I let it did. go way too easy. Yep. He's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying this before we go. I'm not saying this to make us like be like the he loves me, he loves me not, or uh, like letting go of our salvation. When I say this, I'm not saying like we can be saved and then lose it and things like that. But what if we viewed our peace and our joy and all of that as Jesus? Like, what if we viewed, like, losing our peace as losing losing Jesus? Not right. losing him, like, no, our I, salvation, no, but, but losing you. that closeness with him. Yeah. Yeah. Losing the sacrifice that he that he paid for it. Wow. Like, what if we viewed it as that? Yeah. Come on now. Well, I mean, if, if, if we want to get really honest, and I know we got to go, if, um, if, if we really look in the introspect, the, t- the times we don't have peace is probably the times we're not having a prayer life. And we're not yeah. in our word. Yep. And I and also you're not accountable to somebody. Yeah. You know. So all right. Well we're out. Um good day. Good morning. Good morning. We love you guys so much. We're gonna be back seven AM central time tomorrow here on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network.